This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is that show again that is here to bring you technology news, views and more. And I think is the ideal accompaniment for waiting for a takeaway, which is exactly what I'm doing. I'm Stephen Scott. Hello. And uh, I've got Sean Priest somewhere over there. Hello. How can you promote the show like that? Ideal while you're killing time waiting for a takeaway. I mean, come on. Oh, we're geeks. This is the pinnacle of tech news. It is the pinnacle of tech news, I think. Tim Schwartz is here. Please make some sense. I'll do my best. Thank you, uh, Stephen. Hello, Sean and Stephen. And yeah, so what better promo than to say the best way to waste time is to listen to our program. But um, I'm happy to be here, I think. I think if you're going to waste time, this is the way to do it, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, why not? Let's go with it. It's a beautiful waste of time. Yes. I'm not saying this is a waste of time. I'm saying if you're wasting time, this is the... Look, I'm not justifying it anymore, right? This is the way it is. Okay, this intro is terrible. Let's keep going. I haven't found one yet that isn't terrible, if I'm honest, (laughs) but um, I do try. Uh, We've got a special guest with us this week, guys. He's lurking in the shadows over here. A star in the making. It is Robin Christofferson, Knight of the Realm in the UK. (laughs) Robin, Uh, hello. 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 Double Tap Canada is usually the zenith of tech news, but this week it might be the Nadir. We'll have to wait and see because I'm on, guys. I don't know what that means, but I'm impressed. I'm going to go with it. I don't know what any of that means. Um, (laughs) I might have to get a smart speaker involved at some point to, to catch up with that. Zenith, was that not a car in the 60s? It was the high point, and this week might be the low point, but it won't be you guys, so let's go. Yeah, I wouldn't be so sure. Uh, okay, so um, listen, we're only two minutes in. Let's not expect too much. Um, okay, but we are going to talk to you about a TV show, which is one of many that Apple have produced as part of their new slate of programs for their new Apple TV Plus. Um, I don't know what you call it. I mean, it's kind of like a subscription service. Well, it is a, yeah, it's a service, yeah. But it's like a kind of Netflixy type thing, isn't it? It's Netflixy. Yeah, I think service yeah. is a better description, but okay, it's Netflixy. <laughs> yes, it'll be a monthly subscription service just similar to Netflix. Netflixy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, Hashtag Netflixy. We've definitely hit that low point, Robin. You were right. I, <laughs> yeah. It's only up from here. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're in the dark, really, there's nowhere else you can go. Um, <sighs> yes, but we want to talk to you because you were involved to an extent. Um, you know, <laughs> we should just announce that he, you know, he created the show. Uh, no, he didn't. Um, but, you know, you were involved in a, a program that Apple have made, and it's called C. And, you know, you might guess it's about blindness. I thought it was the letter C, actually, but it is. It's S-E-E. Could be the deep blue sea. Mm-hmm. It could be the sea, yes, S-E-A, but no, it was in fact mm-hmm. about sea. A, a tribe of blind people who, um, I guess, go about as a tribe being blind. Um, we'll get more on this, obviously, from Robin. Um I hope so. <laughs> because you were involved in this, weren't you? Tell us about, about this show. So, yes, it's a world of blind people 600 years in the future after a virus knocked out everybody's vision. And tribal is right. It's a world of different tribes doing their own thing, but regularly going and killing other people in horrible ways. But yes, nobody can see. And is it true, Robin, that these people in this future, they don't even know of a time when people could see? As a matter of fact, I don't think they even believe that people ever could see, right? It would be a very bizarre concept to them. It has completely left their kind of collective consciousness that eyes are a thing. So we're talking Game of Thrones meets Day of the Triffids, aren't we? That's what we're talking about. It sounds like a blind planet of the apes. Yeah, with some kind of Thunderdomes and stuff. A bit of Mad Max without the vehicles thrown in as well. <laughs> I'm sold. Actually, it does sound good. It does sound good. And I'm not just talking about the blind angle of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously people have reservations and, you know, look at Twitter after the event a couple of weeks ago where it was announced as you know one of the original titles that were being created as part of apple tv plus and it wasn't 
universally positively received by the blind community. And I think that's why Stephen Knight, who is the producer of it, the script writer, he of Peaky Blinders and several other well-known titles. Peaky Blinders. There's a theme, I see. <laughs> yes. He um, <laughs> is obviously British. And for whatever reason, I was kind of contacted as as somebody who might be able to provide some helpful input to make sure that it was you know tastefully realistically kind of well done from a vi point of view and the scripts that i got certainly needed a lot of attention to make sure that it was done well you know if if it's done really well in reality when it um comes you know out then i hope that my name is in the titles at the end and if it's done badly i hope that it isn't <laughs> <laughs> so were they a bit stereotypical robin yeah so just a bit of scene setting then i don't think i have to tread a a fine line here because some stuff's in the public domain obviously it is filmed in canada guys Yay! and it's hugely cinematic it's really beautiful apparently they're just finishing principal photography which means like the basic shooting uh, of the first series and then they'll start doing editing and that sort of thing um and they're really really happy with how it's gone so it's on a big scale and all of these villages all of these tribes are geared up for people who are completely blind but they had lots of things that didn't ring true and in some cases were I mean for example touching faces was a big thing to them which you know if you uh, have a significant other and both of you can't see then that might be nice to do that once in a while just to you know familiarize yourself with each other's faces i haven't personally done it but um this was on a daily basis as a way of saying hello and believe me thrusting your fingers into somebody's face um on a regular basis without announcing that you're going to do it isn't necessarily the sort of thing that a blind world would do so things like that um People who were talking to each other, you know, wouldn't necessarily look at each other. I don't know about you guys, but when I actually want to focus on someone, I might turn my head slightly to the left because you can hear a little bit better if you've got like one ear facing someone. So yeah. if you had like a mass crowd, for example, with various scenes, I just wanted to flag that, you know, the people in the audience aren't all going to be looking at what's going on in the middle all the time, like they're seeing the bit in the middle of the kind of gladiator type scenario. Um, they'll be as attentive, but not necessarily, you know, looking all in the same direction or even look like they're paying attention at all visually. But, you know, they, they certainly would be. Well, that's one of the best things about being visually impaired is that you can pretend to be interested in something, but really, you know, you could be playing paying no attention to it whatsoever <laughs> yeah, like exactly, sunglasses. Yeah. i had the fantastic opportunity of putting in a lot of kind of nice little easter eggy things so if you've got two people having a really intense conversation yeah they may not be looking at each other looking and facing each other isn't a thing when vision you know isn't in your yeah. kind of psyche at all um but you know somebody could equally be picking their nose while having you know, conversations with people or doing all sorts of things like that, because you can do that sort of thing with complete immunity when there's no such thing as sighted people around. So, you know, things like that. Um, Hang on. Are you telling us you put someone picking their nose in as an Easter egg? Is that what you're telling I us? I suggested that in a world where, because none of this was in the script and the scripts were very detailed, you know, not kind of down to what each person in a big you know, what each bit per part was doing in a big scene or whatever. But, you know, I would definitely recommend that um, there are lots of things going on, either in a small scene or in a big scene, where people are just kind of doing their own thing, still kind of being part of it. But, you know, you're not standing on attention. Well, I don't know, whatever they fancy <laughs> interpreting that as. But, um, yeah, so sound is a big thing. If you want someone to go from A to B, like there's a scene where there's a certain amount of, electricity and kind of gruesomeness involved they had somebody you know this guy walking over and plugging in the the kind of big cable the big vicious looking cable thing and it didn't give any instruction in there to say that you know how he got from a to b to this big you know generator thing to plug it in it just said he went over and plugged it in and i wanted to make sure that that wasn't you know even though the actor 
is going to be, and we can talk about this in a moment, about actors playing people who can't see. But anyway, even though, you know, this person isn't supposedly able to see, I don't want him going straight there. I want somebody perhaps over there banging it with a spanner or something as part of the drama. Yeah. And, you know, in the kind of collected collected uh, crowd scene to so that the other person can go straight there without faffing on because you don't want a lot of scenes where people are just faffing on trying to find something so uh, a mechanism or a vehicle could be if you want someone to go straight over to from a to b and plug in a thing and electrocute people then have somebody over there banging the thing you know so that they can go straight there stuff like that jangly jewelry to a certain extent um in battle scenes there's a lot of horses uh, with clanky type, you know, armor plating and and armory and armor and stuff like that. So yeah, sound would naturally play a part. But I also wanted people to say, for example, be very deft in battle because you know you could hear um, where the other person is and perhaps where the swishing of their weaponry is and that sort of thing. So they could, at one level, seem to be really adept, uh, you know, fighting blind is something that they'd have been doing for hundreds of years and you teach methods of doing that but then perhaps after he'd vanquished his foe he might turn around walk away and fall flat over you know his face over another corpse or you know that sort of thing a bit bit of comedy yeah yeah that kind of thing so a mixture of really adapted sounds like blind life doesn't it? it's just blind life really (laughs) that's that's it in a nutshell and then some nice little nuggets, for example, he wanted to have something where they could kind of tell what time it was for mass gatherings and stuff like that. And Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, with voiceover. Um, we talked about, you know, how they could tell the time and I suggested a sundial where the shadow, so around the central post, you had a large number of kind of metal discs about the size of coins for example embedded into a stone or or a wooden flat thing or whatever and the sun as it kind of casts shadows because metal gets hot in the sun and it stays cold when it's not you can kind of feel which ones are hot and cold and you can tell the direction of the shadow and also the length of the shadow by how many of the coins are cold in that around the circle of that that kind of thing you should make that yeah so (laughs) you know a, a twist on a sundial but with heat as opposed to anything else. Some really good ideas in there. Well, we were three days together in the kind of um, script writing session. So, yeah, plenty of th- throwing ideas around. But, um, yeah, so I hope I have, I'm not going to kind of be uh, chastised for kind of going into that level of detail. Um, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think they showed a tiny bit of C in the montage. Just a at little the end, bit, yeah. And certainly people were saying, yeah. So, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of... St- the general gist and kind of look and feel is out there yeah already so how how were how let me try and spit this out (laughs) how receptive were they to your changes or your ideas because as steven said there are some sort of stereotypes around blindness that that maybe they were you know hanging a lot of their storyline off or you know wanted to play up yeah some of the storyline the plot points do definitely hang on the fact that people can't see. And there are various roles in particular. There's one, um, I probably shouldn't say the name, but anyway, there's like a kind of a role that is passed down through the generations where somebody who's particularly stealthy is able to be like a spy and they're a spy and they can stand within feet of the people, but if they're really still, then they're obviously not detected and that they have a way of masking their smell as well. I'd like to know how to do that. Yes, we would like you to do yes. <laughs> We'd all like you to know how to do that. Shower. Um, so they uh, they had some plot points that were specific and had loads of devices that kind of, it's going to be very novel. It's going to feel very novel to an audience who would like to know how things are done differently in a world that can't see including how, you know, mass mass groups of people get from A to B and how they get across canyons. And anyway, there's, there's lots of stuff going on. But um, how receptive? They hung on our every word. There was myself and there was two people, uh, one in Canada, actually, who I put them in contact with because they wanted to have input from people that had been blind from birth as well, just to kind of make sure that yeah. they'd get similar kind of input or, you know, maybe they'd get very different input because we're all different anyway. And my takes just one person. But um so they were incredibly keen to get it right. And you can imagine why, because this has got potential pitfalls left, right and centre, hasn't it? 
Well, it's interesting, Robin, because, of course, all of what you're saying is from your perspective, and that's absolutely right, that you can only speak about your perspective. But, of course, blindness is very different to everybody. And, and that's actually sometimes the problem with blindness. There are so many different ways that people, A, perceive it, but also, B, act as blind people. Um, so, you know, is that something that was quite difficult to maybe try and get across to them? Or did you just focus purely on your idea? Um, that's a really good question. And inevitably, I suppose I was putting my interpretation on what blindness is. And I totally appreciate that. Where are the people, the various characters and actors in the series going to look very different one from another, certainly from a personality point of view, from a blindness point of view? I have absolutely no idea. I just knew when things felt wrong from a general blindness point of view, having, you know, been blind and I member of a blind family, no one in our family can see, um, you know, growing up, I was surrounded by people who were doing things in a blind centric way. Uh, but I think that's probably one reason why they wanted to talk to those other blind guys that had their take on it as well, particularly because they'd never seen. So how many people did they talk to? As far as I'm aware, just me and the two guys, one in America and one in Canada. So you represent all of blindness. Well, I'm a, I'm a third of blindness. <laughs> You're a third of blindness. <laughs> okay. So I think what we're coming at here is anything that's wrong with this series, you can at least blame a third of it on me. And we will, yeah. Yes, I'm happy with that. No, look, I, there's certain things that, that you can, as you said, sort of scream out, no, that's that's just wrong. That is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing increased sense of hearing and, um, I don't know, things like that that you just think, no, that's, exactly. that's actually a stereotype yeah, you don't a want myth. to continue or get across as much. See, I, I always argue that, though. I always say, well, it's actually, there is some truth to that. This is the problem, that people always jump to the, ah, people say our hearing's better. Okay, our hearing's not better, right? That's true. But it's also true that we use our hearing better. So it's not that it's better, it's just that we're actually using it. I always say, if you imagine taking people and putting a blindfold on them, they'll notice sound to be very different and much more vibrant in their ears. So there. Absolutely. And I tried to convey that to them, that the importance of sound and making sure that that sound isn't going to, in effect, blind them. Because, say, for example, a large crowd scene, normally speaking, if there's some kind of um, gladiator type scenario going on in the middle of a, a big auditorium, there's going to be loads of shouting and screaming and that sort of thing. But that, in effect, means that everyone in the crowd who's blind isn't seeing a spectacle or hearing a spectacle. They're just hearing a bunch of crowd, you know. So I said that that's going to be a lot more, that's going to be noticeably more quiet than you'd see in a normal kind of scenario like that in a normal, in quotes, movie. So yeah, sound is going to be significantly more important uh, to the extent that children playing in a village and just kind of making a racket wouldn't be socially acceptable because it would in quotes, blind everybody else who's getting yeah. around using their eyes. So there were some things that I weren't, I wasn't comfortable with. For example, in this particular village that is the focus, certainly of the first few episodes, they wanted to have a series of ropes that would get people from A to B, like a network of ropes. And I couldn't budge them on that. So what we did is we, because it's a good visual, you see. So sometimes visual outweighs practicality in a blind only world so i had them raise them up above head height because they're all at they were all at kind of stomach height and you just couldn't get from a to b across those without everything going wrong so have them higher up have some sort of stick that you hold above your head to just run along it and when you want to join another one you kind of know oh, it's been 20 paces down here if i take a left here and drop my stick and then i can oh there's the other one pick it up with my stick and go that way and also the rubbing of it would you'd be able to hear people coming the other way so little Again, things are... that is a fantastic idea i want to see that on my town center now yeah that sounds amazing yeah so i hope and i'm touching some wood here guys well actually kind of for mica veneer type thing that it's going to be all right but i absolutely take what scott says it's going to be sorry what Stephen says and what mr scott <laughs> I, I get person, that a lot <laughs> um said that 
it's one person's take and um i would have loved i mean they should have asked you guys as well i should, next time oh, anything like maybe this term. happens maybe term, series two i know who to bring in so yeah but we'll see Absolutely. I'm just moving on to what you mentioned earlier about the uh, the actors and the amount of blind actors that were actually used. Is uh, what's the story on that? Yeah. So I don't. I didn't have it because it was massively early days when I was involved. It was uh, a long time ago, well over a year ago. So um, they weren't. Th- they weren't that far down the line to know that they had very clear ideas about visuals they had loads of mock-ups of what how it would look sort of cinematically they had you know bare bones scripts and stuff like that um they had no idea about who'd play the main characters etc now i think purely from a health and safety point of view to have in some scenes hundreds or thousands of people who literally couldn't see might not, you know, wash from an insurance point of view when there's lots yes. of um, he- sharp-edged metal flying around. Um, so I don't know is the answer. It would be nice if there were, you know, even the, well, whether the main characters or some main characters had a vision impairment because it would add authenticity to the process and they would have, I'm sure, provided a lot of valuable input that might well contradict my take on the world, but, you know, it, yeah. it would add mm. extra going forward. So, you know, let's hope that they had a lot of visually impaired people involved in the process on the ground after I let go with, with my input. Well, I know you're a, a seasoned professional, Robin, and you would never say something like this, but I'll say it for you. Um, they probably didn't. Uh, because, I mean, look, let's be honest about it. You know, <laughs> blind people... Uh, this this is a TV show which features blind people, or at least features the characters of blind people. We we can't forget that it's entertainment, right? This is what this is it is all about. It's it's about entertainment. It's a TV show, and I think when it comes to blind actors, and I want your guy you guys views on this as well. You know, when it comes to blind people playing blind parts, is that something we should push for more, or do we just? Is it better that the story of blindness? gets out there. I mean, Tim, what do you think? I think the answer is yes, at least for me. I think both things are important. I think getting a story out there about blindness and doing it correctly, the way Robin is really trying to work with the directors and writers here and producers to make sure that there aren't those you know ridiculous stereotypes. There may be some things that just have to break through for storytelling and things like that. But to have blindness put so uh, so in front of a camera, so uh, much in the foreground of pop culture in this way as a kickoff show, even for this new uh, service. I, I think that is a very important step and I'm never going to discourage anybody from telling a story about what it means to be blind, whether it's in present day or 600 years from now. I, I think it's something that needs to be told and understood as far as blind people playing those parts. You're going to be limited on how many actors you may find. However, there are definitely blind actors out there, visual impaired actors out there. And I I would hope that they would, if those actors are good enough to be in something like it and they can get the job, earn the job. Yes, they should be in it. And I think it should be something that we push more for, not just for the sake of saying we've got a blind person. Like I said, I think it should be that they earn the job just like anybody else. But uh, I do want to see them portraying those blind people absolutely yeah as, as robin said it does come down to lending authenticity to the, to the role or to the scene i think um uh, the whole thing about putting blindness in the forefront and is this pushing the story of blindness i, I, I don't actually go with that uh, i think this is you know it's a fictional piece i, I don't think it's anything that that's going to be particularly oh, helpful come on, to, Sean. to the blind struggle. Well, this is turning no, no, blindness no, 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 on its head. Isn't... It's 600 years from now in a dystopian future. I mean, it's... And, the, the, and all they've done is, in 600 years' time is figured out how to use a rope. No, it's super sexy, this is. Honestly, this is definitely... Oh, you I'm guys, uh, you know, as blind people, we will get kudos from this. People will think that blind, being blind is cooler than it is now. I can guarantee yeah, that. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> being blind isn't cool. It's just a thing. I know. Well, let's, you know. But we're all like Daredevil, aren't we? I thought we were. <laughs> yes. That's what Daredevil... I'm waiting for the sea challenge. You know, all the thing that came after the bird box challenged. Oh, oh bird yeah, box. no. Oh, not. No. So, yeah, I mean, my only concern is that the, the, the sighted actors that 
are inevitably going to be playing blind people because everyone's blind are going to do it well and never drop their guard for one second. They'll never look someone in the eye. They'll never weave around something that even though they're pretending to be blind with their, you know, most effort they possibly can apply, they, they avoid something or they don't bang their hand on something or, you know, they have to be, they have to go in all in on it (laughs) in for a penny. If Al Pacino, if Al Pacino can manage an incentive of a woman, they'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, but there's so, there's, there's so many more stunts and motion. And... Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, it sounds intriguing, though. I'm, I'm definitely interested it in this. It better be audio described, and it better be audio described <laughs> well. That's what I say. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed. You know, the real irony in all of this, in, in asking me to do it, is that I don't do TV. I know you don't watch TV, do you? I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. But because I <sighs> used to be able to see, I know... You know, I know about action movies. I know about, you know, making sure that things look well on the screen and still, you know, are, are kind of larger than life and cinematic and pleasing. And Hang on, um, you're not the director here. Let's not get carried away. I can picture exactly what the scripts were showing. And and your experience is what, circa 1984, Robin? True. I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe it'll have a retro feel in 600 years. But... um. Yeah, so I wasn't probably the best person to ask on so many levels. No, I I think the important thing that you pointed out that just the thing about you know touching people's faces that that's I think yeah. that's a, a, a glaring stereotype that you know actually is pretty intimate. So uh, that coming across as that's how blind people handshake. Actually, the bigger point is that you know you Robin were in the room. I mean that yeah. is a massive thing. You actually were approached. You were given the chance to speak on it, and um, yeah, I, I wish I, I wish the program well. I, I, well, of course, I think we'll all be watching. Well, I say watching. We will see it when it comes out. <laughs> Even I might. Exactly, <laughs> Robin. You're going to stick with us for a while, aren't you? You're going to stick around for the news. I'd love to. All right. Well, we'll be back in a minute. It's uh, Double Tap Canada. Don't peek your nose. <laughs> Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back. This is Double Tap Canada. Stephen back with you along with Tim, Sean, and we've also got Robin Christofferson, the Knight of the Realm, Lord of the Manor. Uh, I say that because he has an MBE. Um, we're not, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know what that means, but it sounds important. <laughs> mostly British something, maybe. Eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly British and eccentric. Mostly blind and eccentric. Maybe, cause maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe it's like a wow. special blind award you get in the UK. Yeah. I want one. Yeah, let's go with that. So do you get a seat in the House of Lords? I don't know. I haven't checked. You wear a crown. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, shall we talk about the news? Um, I'm going to just kick things off by saying there isn't much, is there? I mean, really, it's, it's been a bit of a quiet week. Come on, technology companies. What are you doing? <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm quite upset by this. Uh, but I, I do want to start off by Apple doing something we don't often hear them do, and that is take away a product before it's even been launched. Now, this was big news. You say there wasn't much news, but this was big. I was, I first heard it, and I actually did think, no, this has got to be a hoax or fake news. But no, they did officially say, that's it. No more wireless charging Mac. Well, that's funny. I actually wasn't surprised when I heard it because they keep putting it off and putting it off. They announced this, what, about a year and a half ago, I think, and it just couldn't get going. And so I'm actually not surprised that they've gone ahead and shelved it. Now, could we see it again in the future, another try at it, perhaps? But yeah, for for now, no more air power, Matt. Mm. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit... Eh, about it, if you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, okay, is, is it a big deal? That, were people really hanging on this announcement, hoping that, you know, the air power mat would come out so that all their dreams would come true? Yes, um, yes. Look, oh, no, right. Apple's <laughs> all ethos is wireless. Yeah, let's get rid of the headphone jack because wireless is a thing, you know, and this was a major part of it. Um, since the, what was it, iPhone 8 had the um, Qi charging, uh, and now that is definitely so important to Apple to get that wireless ecosystem in place. And so far there, you know, this was a big point of you could do the three devices, the AirPods and the Apple Watch and the iPhone at the same time. Um, I think this is actually a big deal. 
Well, I think that's the problem they were running into was that the way they wanted to do it, unlike other power mats that are already out there that work just fine, they were trying to do so much more and so much extra with this technology. And I don't think they were able to get it from everything that I've been able to read. So they may just have to, I hate to say it this way, but dumb it down to be just like any other power mat out there. Not It doesn't have to be so fancy and do all these extra things. Just make a simple charging mat and put it out there. And I'm hoping they're, they're going to go back to the drawing board and that's what they'll do. I mean, they're just leaving it to the third party people, surely. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll just do it. They, they already are making these things. Which so, are 75% cheaper probably anyway. Exactly, yeah. What do you think, Robin? It was the nature of what they were trying to achieve. And I think at the end of the day, they were thwarted by physics. So they wanted 24 different coils so that regardless right. of where you chucked your things down, whether it's a couple of iPhones or a, a watch or a iPhone and watch and the new wireless air power, I mean, air pod charging case, then it would just miraculously work. But those three devices have very different requirements. And the watch in particular has a magnetic requirement, because if you just chuck it down with your standard straps that you get with those watches, then they it wants to curl up and it wants to pop yeah. off. So there had to be a magnetic component to it. And they were having all kinds of trouble with heat and inefficiency and at the end of the day they decided you know well it's not like apple to ship a subpar product so yeah they've cancelled the whole thing yeah well i'll be honest you know our show knows a lot about uh, issues with heat and uh lack of efficiency being subpar <laughs> <laughs> but but it's an interesting um it's an interesting product in a way uh but i but i think it's it's a shame in a way it's gone but at the same token third parties will come up with it i mean if they were getting rid of the iphone i could see cause for alarm uh but you know they're not so it's all fine it's all fine what i'm more interested everyone calm in, down okay it's what fine. i'm what i'm more concerned about <laughs> if i'm honest is uh robin and clearly, because he is a knight of the realm, um, he has got money to burn. Uh, and so much so, he, he's gone out and bought himself, uh, I'm talking as if you're not here, uh, you've gone out <laughs> and bought yourself a pair of AirPods 2. Tell me they were worth the money. Well, considering that work paid, they were. Oof. Definitely. Oh. I wouldn't have done it because I am, even though I am some sort of knight of the realm, as yes. you say, but not at all um i yeah have oodles of cash to spare but even then i don't think i would have for what you get new with the sort of second gen airpods they do connect a little bit faster when you're you know switching from one device to another there is noticeably less lag when it comes to the mac i think you guys will agree or i don't know on the on ios devices it felt pretty instantaneous. I had no complaints there with, you know, when you're swiping through mm-hmm. items on the screen, etc. That felt to me like magic really, really quick. But on the Mac, I was never able to use them because there would be, I don't know, a quarter or a half a second. And that just, you know, that would drive me nuts. Terrible. So, yeah. yeah, so that was a lot better. And that's down to these H1 chips that are the sort of second gen computers they're basically a computer in in each year um and they are noticeably better so yeah i'm really pleased about that the main reason though uh which puts the rest in the shade that i'm happy about having these new ones is that the old ones the battery was so old that i would get 20 minutes before i had to put them back in the case and if somebody called me and it switched to that um what's it called a2dp where it's using the microphones and the sound at the same time i would get five seconds oh let me just and then i would it would hang up and the well the the earphones would die so yeah that's the main thing i'm pleased about but that obviously would happen even if you bought uh any new product no no i don't think it would how how often were you using those headphones to kill them how many years was that before the battery got down to that state it was about was it 18 20 months since the first ones came out we all know that lithium-ion batteries have 500 cycles before they you know start to really and that was that whole battery replacement program that they had for iphones etc you know this thing these things weren't holding their charge at all but could say could you like you can with earpods the wired earpods could you have taken them back and got a replacement it was so funny before because i had no idea when they were going to announce these second gen airpods and i was really limping along so i called apple and i was explaining the problem and after about a literally a half an hour conversation, they said, OK, you do qualify. You can have replacement ones. And I thought 
fantastic. But do you know what they meant? They meant that you qualify for spending £68 on each replacement AirPod rather than having to buy the whole thing again. So you actually had to sort of qualify to be able to give them money to buy not the whole thing. That is terrible. What? That is terrible. Because <laughs> is there a battery replacement service even available for the AirPods? No, they're a sealed unit. No, there so, isn't. So yeah, what we're totally saying is agree. if you're a heavy user, you've got 18 months of use out of AirPods before the battery dies. So basically they were saying that what's 269 hundred for 138 quid rather than 149 yeah, is it exactly. for the new ones? So yeah, we'll let you save... £11. That is ridiculous. Because you qualify. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I absolutely, I don't know about you guys, I love the AirPods so much. Once you've sort of gone wireless, you don't want to go back. I'm sure it's the same with, you know, Bose wireless or whatever it might be. Once you're not tethered to a device and you can roam around the house. Now that it's so responsive, I can actually take my Bluetooth keyboard and my AirPods and I can work on my mac that's the dream so that's sweet i love it so yeah i'm i'm a huge fan i didn't go for the wireless charging version because that air power mat held no appeal to me whatsoever you know when i'm working i've got my phone on a very cheap um charging stand so that it keeps it propped up because i just love to be able to plop it on there and it just stays there at a nice you know viewing angle although we don't obviously view it that way but it just feels much more satisfying yeah yeah than (laughs) than dropping it flat on a mat where it might you know slip off or not kind of there's no way that you can not get this seated properly when you just plop it onto this angled kind of uh plinth thing and my watch i just charged that overnight I've got a really nice, um, it looks like one of the old Mac minis. Uh, no, iMacs, one of the old Bondi Blue iMacs. It's just a rubber block, really, and you feed the cable through it, the charging cable, but you can nicely slot your I, uh, Apple no Watch in there. No you're your batteries. You've got so many chargers. <laughs> and then the AirPods, I would just charge them over breakfast like every third day. So why would you need a wireless one for that? Wow. I I am shocked by that battery life, though. Let's quickly go back to the AirPods, too, though. Um, For someone... Now, I don't have AirPods at all. I just refuse to pay that sort of money because, A, I am tight and a cheapskate, as you rightly say. But, B, I know I will just lose them immediately. But if someone has got the AirPods 1, would you say it's worth uh, upgrading to the AirPods 2? Or are the AirPods 2 the one where it's worth jumping in if you don't have them at all? Oh, I would advocate you beg, borrow, steal to get AirPods. Really, I would. If you definitely want wireless charging, then, you know, that'll have to be the second gen, but then it's 199 quid for them. So, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, is it worth it? (sighs) Depends what, and what, you know, what do you need out of them? If you use them every single day, five hours a day, which is why I killed mine, you know, that's work out how much that is per hour you know, like a penny an hour or something. I know it sounds a lot. I'm not doing maths, Robin. It's too (laughs) much work. Um, Okay, so what about the sound quality then? There's a sound quality difference between the AirPods 1 and 2. I think the 2, the big selling point for us as visually impaired people are the, is, I should say, the better response time, the lack of lag. Uh, That is a big selling point. But what about the audio quality between the 2, the 1 and the uh, AirPods 2? I think they're the same. I can't really tell any difference. (sighs) Controversial. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether that part of it has been updated. Certainly the ch- system on a chip has. I don't know whether the drivers, whether the the little speaker bits in there have been changed at all. I don't know. The microphones have been improved and they you can now use HEY Siri um, all the time without draining battery because the new H1 chips are waiting for the... Um, oscillations of your cheekbones as you talk so they're only listening for that phrase what when you're moving your jaw which is kind of cute so that is how they've managed to have that always listening for that phrase uh so that actually makes a massive difference because as you guys know at the very most you can only assign a different action to the double tap on both sides so i've got play pause on one side and i've got skip forward 30 seconds on the other ear and the to be able to get Siri to do everything else just by talking. So you could be washing up or, you know, have dirty hands and 
you don't have to quickly wipe them on your jeans or something before you can double tap or, you know, whatever. So that is another reason why you might want to go for the second gen. Mm. Tim. I think that's the new slogan for this show. Wipe your hands on your jeans before you double tap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good advice so, for me. I, I think that these new AirPods 2 sound really good. You know, I don't currently have AirPods either because I use various other Bluetooth devices, single and uh, stereo devices. And for the price, I just haven't been able to pull the trigger just yet. But I'm intrigued by these. But it may be one of those where I wait for version 3 to come out and get 2 at a lesser price because I don't really find an appeal in the first gen for some of the reasons that you said. And if there's not really an audio quality difference between 1 and 2... I like, I mean, I like all the other things. I like being able to to talk to Siri and I like the, the lower literal or to no lag, but I don't know for that kind of a price. I really want some amazing audio quality. It's not lacking in that department, certainly, you know, but you guys are audiophiles, I'm sure. I am. So it's not going to do you. Yeah. It's not going <laughs> to kind of float your boat perhaps, but it's definitely worth it. I think. And again, another potential drawback, unlike other ones where you've got lots of choice, is that there is only one size and some people's ears just don't get on with them. If you didn't get on with uh, ear pods, then you're probably not going to get on with these. But if you're lucky enough to have the right shaped ears, then they're super comfortable. And I can't tell you how many times I've paused what I'm listening to because somebody's talking to me and I've, you know, got waylaid and I've done something else. And then I open my case to get my AirPods out to put them in my ears only to find my case is empty and I'm looking around for them. They're still in my ears. So you just can't tell they're there. You can't tell they're there. They're too light. They're too, they just, you know, disappear. Well, it's not the only option out there. And I want to mention this one because um, I just spotted these being announced. The Powerbeats Pro uh, is the new Beats um, alternative, which of course seems to compete with AirPods, even though it's the same company. find it interesting how they've managed to achieve that at Apple. Um, but they also have Apple's H1 chip inside them, which is good because obviously then you get all the benefits of that. You've got um, always on Siri, which is fantastic. Uh, no wireless charging, though. That's the only thing. But if that doesn't bother you, then okay. Um, but they are uniquely wireless, so they are two separate um, ear pods, or if you like. But the thing with these ones is because they're for, I guess, runners and for people who are out and about, um, they are, how can I describe this? They've kind of got this clip that goes over your ear and then the earbud actually goes inside your ear. So, and, and that's the other thing, of course, it brings with it is complete noise isolation, which you don't get with the AirPods. So, terrible. Nah, it depends on, I mean, maybe not good for us, I guess, if you're out and about, fine if you're maybe on a train or you're, you know, on a bus, but maybe not great if you're actually walking about. That's one thing I do like about the AirPods. I can walk around with them in and it's not completely shielding my environment. It does muffle it, but it doesn't completely isolate you. Um, and in terms of price, you're looking at $250, and they come in four colours as well. They come in black, white, green, and blue, and it'll be available in May. So that's an alternative. Yeah, not for me, it's not. I, I, anything that goes in your ears, I think that's something that Apple got so right the, with the AirPod design that's carried on with the AirPods. I think that on the ear, whatever the phrase is to, that these are, I think it's amazing. For me, they fit perfectly, and like you said, Robin, sometimes you forget you've got them in, and you can still hear the environment around you. Anything that goes in your ear, I hate. Okay. <laughs> well, Tim, I, mean, I know you use a lot of different Bluetooth uh, audio, uh, single ear mainly, though, isn't it? Um, for just regular everyday use, I use single ear, but that's just for navigating my phone or listening to podcasts, things like that. I do have several other, well, I shouldn't say several, I have I have a couple of other uh, stereo Bluetooth devices that I use. Nothing really of note except for the Bose frames that we have talked about, and those I'm loving. I wish they were a little louder when it's a noisy environment. wish there was slightly more bass, but I don't miss it at the same time. Time. But otherwise, I'm loving the Bose frames now, probably, what, about three weeks on with them? Other than that, yeah, I mean, any other thing that I use that's stereo, 
again, they're they're all kind of the lesser expensive, well, much lesser expensive, you know, forty to fifty dollar range to you know to purchase. And I, I just can't get into spending one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars on on Bluetooth earpods. I, I I would like to, but I've been happy with what I've got. Okay, let's talk about um, something else because there's a new app that has come out. And um, for those of you out there who like to scan books or magazines or documents or whatever, uh, you might think that the one place you need to go to immediately is the KNFB Reader. It's probably the most talked about app for uh, blind people, but it comes at quite a hefty price tag. There is a new one out, and it's called the Voice Dream Scanner. Uh, this is from the people who brought you... <laughs> Feel like a film title, a film trailer, but from the people who brought you uh, Voice Dream Reader, a very popular app in the blind world at the moment. Uh, Voice Dream Scanners out, and um, Robin, I know you've been having a peek at that as well to see what uh, what it's got. In fact, you you have some pretty strong and contentious views on this one. <laughs> well, I am impressed with the results, and it really does beg the question of why would people spend an awful lot of money, I think about 20 times the price for KNFB Reader? I know it goes on sale sometimes, but Voice Dream Scanner seamlessly integrates with Voice Dream Reader, which, as you say, is superb when it comes to reading a variety of documents, PDFs, eBooks, EPUB, text files, Word documents, MP3 files, all of them go in the same reading list, have the same play, pause, navigation controls, whether it's a human talking or, or a synthesizer reading through your Word document, for example. So Voice Dream Reader, it, understandably a firm favourite in the VI community, and now to have the ability to scan documents, and it has all of the capabilities of KNFB Reader, all of the main ones anyway, so automatic orientation, de-skewing of the document, audio feedback to tell you if you've got the rest of the, you know, all of the document in frame or whether you need to go up a bit, down a bit, left a bit, right a bit, that sort of thing. And batch scanning as well. So you can scan lots of pages and turn them into a single document that you can then read in the lovely voice stream reader. So yeah, I mean, I haven't tried it that much, so I haven't given it a full road test. But whoa, it does whoa, whoa, you like haven't you tested it even. I, I, you can't say it's better than KNFB if you haven't tested it. I have. I think he said much. Yeah, I have. And it, the results are good. Mm. But then mm. I haven't done it side by side with the same oh. documents with KNFB oh. Reader, which I do have as well. So, yeah, I mean, we all know that people uh, people's experiences vary greatly. And it's to do with documents. It's to do with natural lighting versus artificial. It's to do with shadows on the document, that sort of thing. It's hit and miss, as we know. Yeah. But initial sounds good. Initial findings. Let's let's look at the price, okay? So let's can price comparison. Uh, KNFB Reader on the App Store. This is on the iPhone at one hundred and thirty nine ninety nine Canadian dollars. The Voice Stream Scanner app eight dollars forty nine. Slight difference. <laughs> Hmm. Give it a test drive, guys. <laughs> I think I think it's a good point to raise, though, that KNFB was amazing. I do have KNFB, and I love it. Um, but as it is, it of its time. Do you know? I, th I think now have we reached a point with cameras and the actual OCR engines that a lot of these uh, apps use um, that they're really is it's a real hard argument to have that, that there's value to be had from KNFB. And I think when KNFB Reader came out, we were in a time and place where there were so many free or maybe 99 cent type apps out there that would do document scanning, but they were horrible. And when KNFB Reader came out and they said, well, we're going to give you the same or better experience that you had on the old Nokia phones for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, we'll, we'll do it for, you know, $100 US, you know, 130 40 in, in Canada, and it'll give you that that ability right there on your phone, we were all very excited to do that. Thankfully, I, like most people, like like uh, Robin was saying, I got it half price at one point when it went on sale, and I was very happy to spend that. But now with Microsoft seeing AI, there's other apps like Envision AI that we'll be talking about you know, in the future. And now with this version of Voice Stream with the scanning ability, yeah, it, it does kind of make KNFB, I don't want to say 
obsolete, but its price point is maybe obsolete. And they may want to rethink that because if voice stream scanner is anything close to KNFB reader, obviously there's, there's a no question here in what you should do with it. As long as it's at least as good as Microsoft seeing AI for documents and something close to KNFB, I think it's a great product. I know that they, in the initial stages, had to recoup their development costs, and that's why it was so expensive. But it's really hard to imagine Correct. why it's still at that price these days when there are so many really viable alternatives. I know the K in KNFB Reader stands for Kurzweil, so that's the engine they use as opposed to Abbey Fine Reader and various other ones that are almost as good, if not as good, to be honest. But the Kurzweil engine does come at a price, so that will account for a part of that, but... The rest of it, why are they still having to charge that amount? The, you know, the app's been uh, out for ages. It hasn't had massive amounts of additional functionality added no. in, in there. So it's, you know, I'm not sure why it's still so expensive. Well, um, we shall see what comes of that uh, because, of course, we'll be reviewing it here on the show. I'll be intrigued to try it. I haven't put the money out on KNFB Reader um, because I'm tight and Scottish, uh, so I'm not doing it. But... Uh, I, I will certainly lay down $8.49 on Voice Stream Scanner. I'll well do done, that sir. for this show. I'll do that. Honestly, I, I'm not even a knight of the <laughs> realm. I can't just call up and get it for nothing. Um, I would bang my head on the desk, but it, I never would. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, uh, thank you so much for being with us this week, Robin. It's been great having you here uh, because it's been really interesting learning about the, sh the show that you, you were involved with and uh, I, we are all intrigued to see how that works out. And as you know, if it is terrible, we'll blame you. Yeah. So um, you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Uh, now, just on the point of Envision AI, which is one of the apps uh, that uh, you mentioned there, Tim, you said in the future, we'll be talking about it. That's next week, the future, isn't it? Quite possibly. That could be next week. The future could be so soon. Yes, I am uh, working on an Envision AI uh, walkthrough that we can hopefully, possibly, yes, share next week. That was the number 143 bus that I threw to number there. Uh, so, uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, listen, keep your emails coming in and uh, keep in touch as well. Feedback at ami.ca. Um, you know, if I felt a little bit distant and quiet this episode, it's because my microphone, I think, is on its last legs. So um, I will be purchasing. Maybe I should spend more money on a microphone <laughs> for next week's show. Um, but thank you so much for being with us. That's it for the show. I'll let you guys say goodbye for a change because I think my microphone may just stop. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Tune in to Dot to Dot tomorrow. It's a special Canada-only episode. Ooh, how can you resist? There's a teaser for you. That's Robin's <laughs> very own Dot to Dot podcast, uh, a podcast dedicated to the Amazon Echo skills. So you will find that, of course, in all the usual podcast places. Thank you for listening. We love you. And, of course, we will be back next week, hopefully. Oh, and, of course, if you do want more of us, you can check out the Double Tap Canada podcast. Thank you. Ooh, wow. Plugs away. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Goodbye. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.